0: Back again. As you listen to the California surf-inspired freestyle music of Kelly James, you might be asking yourself, what does this have to do with the future of golf? As you'll find out here today, the answer is everything. As golf looks for a new and younger audience to grow the game, golf event experiences more and more are combining music, entertainment, and hospitality to attract, engage, and retain patrons and fans. Kelly is one of the few artists living and prospering in this world where golf and music intersect. So, get ready to hear Kelly's story on this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with golf's top influencers, entrepreneurs, innovators, and disruptors about their vision to reimagine, transform, and grow the game. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with musician, singer, songwriter, and freestyler, Kelly James. Hey, Kelly, thanks for joining us today on the Mod Golf Podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, my pleasure. Good to talk to you again, buddy. So Kelly, I've known you for a couple of years now after seeing you perform at the Phoenix Open where you opened for Weezer. So I went to see Weezer and I ended up meeting you. So I think this worked out very well for me uh, over there to get introduced to you. So I know your love for music is matched almost equally by your love for golf here. So to start us off, can you tell us a bit about yourself, how you got into music and then how you translated that and, and transformed that into a career, including golf?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The funny thing is, I was there to just see Weezer too, so I I just ended up being on stage before them and got to hang with you boys. So yeah, for me, music, you know, has always been a huge part of my life. It's kind of funny because none of my friends played music growing up. So we all played sports. And then I found, you know, guitar at the age of 12. And growing up in California, that's where the style started from in that I was started in that grunge sort of vein, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, Nirvana, Guns N' Roses, that whole little vibe. And then hip hop was huge on the West Coast in the 90s. So it was on a variety of different levels, but Dre... Tupac, Snoop Dogg, Oakland had its own scene that was blowing up, and then, you know, East Coast influence on the entire rap game at that point. For me, I, I sort of found the, the singer-songwriter pretty intriguing as well, the Dave Matthews, Ben Harper generation, which obviously gets you into the Jack Johnson, John Mayer-Moraz thing, and, you know, it was just guys that were writing their own music, performing, doing every little bit of the creative side that I just found just really inspiring, and that's sort of the influence that got me to what I'm doing today.
0: Very nice. So, for our listeners out there that aren't familiar with your music yet, and they certainly will be once we're finished up here, because we will have the pleasure of hearing you play a bit today, I was hoping that to start us off, you can play one of your songs, one of the ones that I love the most. you have the ability right now to play a little bit of Summertime on my mind?
1: Yeah, I, I can play a little bit for you. Thanks. I put the guitar back down, and it just went out of tune.
0: Okay, well, this is the beauty of not doing this live.
2: All I got is summertime, yeah, running through my mind. I got a summertime, yeah, running through my mind. I need a date with the sun Raw skin margaritas It's a day full of fun Call your friends They come eat a swimsuit Suntans Turning up the speakers live the good life We belong on the beaches Teach you how to surf And we can play Beach volley Fish that on the grill Think Tahiti Oh body. Laying in the sun As it kisses your body Watching clouds blow by Like a childhood hobby yeah. All I got is summertime time. Yeah.
0: Through my Very nice. Awesome. There's your, there's your 10.45 a.m. version of awesome. that one with no warm-up. <laughs> That's good stuff. So I know with your connectivity through golf that, I guess it was last year on Golf Digest, you were ranked as one of the top golf-playing entertainers. What was your ranking last year? What number?
1: Uh, out of the top 100, I think I was uh, 298, uh, one of the worst golfers on the uh, on the list with my... Twenty slash eighteen, maybe handicap. Um, No, yeah, I was, uh, I was, I was low on the list. My goal is to 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 climb the ranks quickly. I want to I want to be the shooting star that's just rising the ranks. So I'm I'm focusing on a, l- a lot of golf lately. I love to surf, but I'm putting surfing on the back burner a little bit to keep clubs in my hands on a more consistent basis. Right. But uh I'm, prob- I'm probably I'm probably probably an 18 handicap, but I think, you know, in the right situation I could play to a uh somewhere between a 12 and 15, but I'm probably I'm probably
0: 18 to 20 somewhere in that zone. Is that right situation if you're actually keeping score properly or depends if fo- on your... if
2: if, if, if I... <laughs> Yeah, it just depends on the day if I'm focused, if I'm
0: trying to take all
1: your money, you know, I mean, it just a variety of factors uh, combined to get me where I'm at with the end score there, but yeah, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I can play I, I love the game and, you know, for me, it's a, a large part of it is just focus, you know, am I like really willing to like grind it out for 18 holes and like be fully, fully, fully invested as opposed to my normal 12 hole sort of implosion and then, you know, I start to get distracted and look at all the uh, the things going on around me, and forget that I really need to maybe take a few practice swings and think about my shots before I step up to the ball.
0: Right. So it sounds like your game is improving. It sounds like your handicap's coming down. Well, like, I can't wait to see the next installment of the golf digest list to see if you're actually climbing up the ranking i'll be watching kelly you keep That's my yeah you, you and i haven't played around yet it sounds like we're evenly matched because i am stuck at about an 18 handicap and have for a couple of years because i face the classic problem that golf has faced in the past and where it looks for growth and connecting with a larger and younger audiences it takes a long time to play and it it takes a lot of commitment to that so uh so yes, the irony is, is the, the, the more I get entrenched in the golf industry, it seems like the less golf I play. So let's get together sometime so we can change the tide on that and you and I can get out there and, uh, and play some golf. So on that I'm note with, with golf, I'm curious to hear your, your backstory here is that connection, that first connection you had between your music and a gig that was wrapped around golf. So how did that start and what was your, your moment and when did that happen?
1: yeah so I, yeah when I first graduated college, I used to play uh, pretty much all colleges. That was like the mainstay. I was playing one hundred and seventy shows a year wow. playing private shows at sorority houses during the week and then fraternity parties on the weekend and ended up meeting a few guys at Oakley who sort of turned me on to like the brand side of of the world, really, where I had no idea that dollars and access and you know exposure and all these things existed so i I was playing like surf skate events for Oakley, you know a snowboard thing here and there, a surf thing here and there, a skate event here. And there. And I had no idea that there was any tie to golf whatsoever with Oakley. So I was playing some venue. I forget what it was for Oakley. I think it was a, uh, a surf event. And this dude walks in and he has like long blonde hair coming out of this hat. And I look at the hat and it says Titleist on it, number one. Then, number two, you know, he has like Pro V1 on the side and then a sponsor on the other side. And I'm like, who's this surfer that stole this hat from some golf pro? Like, why are you even here? Sweet hat, man. So I start freestyling about him, kind of ripping on him, the, the fact that he wouldn't be allowed at a country club and that, you know, his handicap's probably 111. And, it ended up being Charlie Hoffman. So <laughs> right. pretty pretty much like, you know, I had no idea. I Charlie Hoffman meant nothing to me. The golf world meant nothing to me at that point. I you know, I'd played growing up, but I've never watched a PGA tour event on TV or anything of that nature. And he asked me right after the show, he's like, what are you doing in two weeks? And, you know, I was like, well, we're supposed to be in, you know, San Antonio heading to Austin, Texas to play UT. And he's like, well, I want you to come and play my charity event. And I was like, okay. I mean, I don't even know what a charity event is at that point. I have no idea, you know, what what the golf world has to do with that. It just was, it meant nothing to me. And, you know, went and played his event solo acoustic ended up meeting like a ton of guys there that have created like very long-term relationships with because you know as you very well know like pro golfers are some of the best human beings in pro sports I mean they they are really engaged with their fans they're engaged with their sponsors they're just like really really genuine open big-hearted people and and it's a function of their of how they exist you know they have to be that way and most of them are good guys but their their job requires the fact that they are personable that they are outgoing that they do take care of people treat people correctly, they're not shielded with, you know, the name brand of some team or some organization that allows them to be a jerk. So I just remember, you know, meeting some of the guys and then it was, you know, I was probably 23 at the time and I look over in the corner and there's this dude who's in the corner and he has, it was some kind of like motocross event and I had just played a couple shows, you know, for Honda and Red Bull and it was this tailpipe company called FMF and I think he had FMF on his hat, flat brimmed hat and he's in the corner and he looks, you know, kind of my age. So I go over and I'm like, hey man, what's up? He's like, hey, how's it going? And I was like, oh, FMF, do you ride? And we had this whole motocross conversation and it ended up being Ricky Fowler and, you know, again, another lifelong friend that is a great example of of a dude who's just genuine, big hearted and a great human. So that was kind of the genesis of it all. And then those guys introduced me to a bunch of different people. I started playing all their events and, you know, ended up playing more formal shows for the actual PGA Tour at each tour stop and a a variety of different charitable things. And it's been a really, really great experience, uh, an experience that I truthfully didn't see coming i didn't even know that there was an entertainment component to golf at all or the worlds that it was going to open up you know by being involved with it
0: Paul, well, having seen you live now a few times and spending some time with you last fall in uh, in napa at the safeway open event you have a very unique lens of which to see golf through, and that is through the music audience and the, the fan experience that they attach on site to these events. So how have you seen it trending over the last couple of years? It seems to me that it, it is growing that opportunity for what you're doing. So when you started to compare to where that is now, how do you find the uh, kind of the reception for having more entertainment-based content at golf tournaments? and And how do you see the audience changing in demographic and age and even attitude?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's kind of funny. I think it's like grown tremendously, but I think it's probably at a 3 out of 10, maybe even a 2 out of 10 of what it could be. I don't want to say when I started, but my first golf event was probably 2008, 2009, and the Phoenix Open was really just kind of getting off the ground. The first time I played it, it was either 9 or 10, and I think the crowd size had just moved from 3,500 to 5,000, somewhere in that range, and it was like a massive deal. I mean, people didn't think it was going to work. OAR was the headliner. They ended up selling it out that night. Night, the big night, Friday night, and we open for them. And now they push 10,000 a little bit more and they sell out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, your four nights, just huge shows with massive, massive acts. And, you know, it's just, it's really awesome to see. With that said, I think that As consumers, we're looking for a different kind of experience across the board, and I think that a bunch of, again, more stick-and-ball sports that are in that main, main, main mass market lane are gravitating towards is a wider spectrum of entertainment. You can see it in-game. If you go see an NBA game or a football game, they're really trying to, to diversify the entertainment experiences as opposed to just on the court or on the field or on the ice. And I think that eventually, especially with the festival model for music having so much success, I think that eventually... Sporting events will really start to broaden the offerings that you get when you go see a team or a group of individuals live. I think that there will be music, there will be food, there will be a bunch of different stuff that you can experience—from stuff that's gamified to stuff that's a creative, cultural, artistic experience, along with whatever sport uh, you came to see. So I only see growth. I only see the ability for these entities, be it the PGA Tour, be it the NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, etc., being able to offer more to their fans. I think. Ticket prices will go up, but I think that you will be getting so much more for your dollar and it'll be so much more immersive. So as it relates to the PGA Tour, I only see them investing more into stuff that's off the course to intensify the experience for the patrons and really focus on giving a diverse mix of stuff that you wouldn't expect. Again, is it culinary? Is it music? Is it skateboard exhibitions and golf? I think that it's all there and should eventually happen.
0: I I agree with that completely, and I know that uh, a good friend of yours, Jeff Saunders, who organizes through Lagadere Sport, the Safeway Open in Napa, they took that over in October, and you were there performing. I love a quote that Jeff has put forward where he says that what we're creating here is a party that just happens to have a golf tournament going on at the same time. So he really gets it, gets this idea that you need to extend the experience and the offerings over the entire event and the entire week there, that you have to increase the number of touch points along the experiential journey for all the fans and for the players, both on site and off-site during the actual golf event while it's being played and then because you were there doing it and then afterwards so i think jeff is certainly on to something there and you're from my understanding you're helping inform them and help them along the way But I find it interesting going back for a moment to the Phoenix Open because it seems like they were really the pioneers of pushing forward the entertainment aspect of a golf tournament. Most people see the 16th hole there with a stadium that is just growing in size every single year into the kind of the monster that it is right now. But it's much more than that. Most people don't realize from a business perspective that the Phoenix Open is the highest grossing tournament of any tournament in the world has the most people. I think on the biggest day on Saturday, it has about 120, 130,000 people there. They usually average about 350,000 people there over the course of the week. And then where you were playing, that area called the Bird's Nest, which is a large purpose-built temporary structure for hosting music events, that they've aligned themselves very nicely in Scottsdale there with the college, uh, with ASU. And when we were walking from the golf tournament to go see you at the Bird's Nest... And we're going to go see Weezer, of course, but we saw you. And the majority of the crowd that was coming from the other direction, and they were all millennials, you can tell they are all college students. So the majority of people there were not even at the golf tournament. So they understood that from a business model that you need to connect into that audience there that are not necessarily going there for the golf, but are coming for the golf-related entertainment activities. Absolutely. Okay, I wanted to, to mention this. So you mentioned Ricky Fowler earlier. I know that a couple of years ago you hosted and put together a, a video episode called Why Golf. So your involvement in golf is not just through the music that you play, but you're also looking to expand it in other areas. And I know with that, it was very interesting format that you played nine holes with a few of your friends there that weren't just in the golf industry. Can you tell us a bit about that experience and the connectivity uh, to your music and golf.
1: Yeah, I think that most golf fans know that. Golf is looked at in a certain way. It's very, very stereotyped in in a variety of ways, really. But there's so many people that you would never imagine that play golf, and not only play golf, are just like avid, addicted golfers. And so we we tried to put it together a little group just to show the world that for the most part, like there's a ton of golfers out there that love the game and and love the sport, and that you know you can be really, really into motocross, but still love to play golf, and, and that's okay, and there's time for it, and it's, it's all possible. So we got Ricky Fowler, uh, Ryan Sheckler's professional skateboarder, and Jeremy McGrath, and Evan Geiselman, professional surfer, all together. And we played the Phoenix Open course there, TPC Scottsdale, the Monday before the tournament. And we got to play 16. It was just a really, really fun day. We filmed it and told jokes and hung out and had a few beers at the end and, and really just sort of dove into being really involved in another sport, specifically a sport that is not viewed as really close to golf in any regard, and how there is time for golf and how, you know, these guys have been able to juggle both disciplines and maintain their love for golf. So the, the episode we did for Golf Digest was great and it was just, you know, trying to highlight the fact that, that you can be into a bunch of different things and that there is time for golf and there is ways to fit it into your schedule and and to enjoy it all. So, it was a really fun day and uh, I think that for me the the goal would just be to help people understand, especially people who have no data points for golf in general, that golf is like an unbelievable game only because it has attributes that no other sport has, number one specifically being the handicap system. There's no other sport in the world that you can really play against anybody at any time. Theoretically, you and me can go play Dustin Johnson head up, and it is absolutely a fair match. If the handicap system is right, and he has his correct handicap and we have our correct handicaps, it's a fair match. I mean, we can bet a thousand a hole, and it's, it's, it's a real bet. It should be a 50 50 bet. And that's a beautiful thing about golf is that you can play against anyone in the world. Number one, number two, you can play until you get, till you can't walk anymore. And there's no other sport where you can be competitive as you get older in life. You know, like I said, I love to surf. My ability as a surfer is going to rapidly decline as I get older, and there's no way to to get it back. I can't go surf with with young guys and go surf high performance waves because I just won't have it in me. But golf, I can go play the best golfer in the world head up for real money, and it's it's a completely fair match.
0: You make a great point there that with golf, you do not age out like you do with other sports that are more physically demanding like that. Uh, absolutely. So I had the pleasure of meeting Jeremy McGrath. We were doing some work for Top Golf down in uh, Southern California. And he's an amazing guy. And his passion for golf is as strong as yours. And it's great to see ambassadors. And I do consider you an ambassador for the game of golf here that all you guys are connecting their audiences, their fans that may not even consider golf as something they would look at playing and- and bringing them to the game. So you guys are certainly doing your part to help grow the game. So keep it going. Doing great on that. Leaving golf for a second here. I think it was about a year ago. I remember seeing you doing some work with Major League Baseball. So it seems like you're also connecting through other sports. Seeing that opportunity through your music. To expand your audience through other sports. So is it just baseball you're doing? Or are you talking to people in, in other sports too? Yeah, it's like I mentioned before, you
1: know, I think that if we're really looking at the broad category of what sports, music, film, TV is, it's all entertainment. So I think that as media continues to push forward specifically through technology in the ways that it has, there's just so many different lanes to occupy while you're trying to service this goal of entertaining a user base. And I think that as we continue to broaden our ability to access a variety of different things and deliver them to a user base, the proximity between sports and music is only going to get closer until it's one just huge entertainment experience. And again, this isn't any kind of new concept, but I see it firsthand. Like I said, the NBA is trying to offer a, a well-rounded entertainment experience, just as NHL, MLB, et cetera, et cetera. They're all trying to heighten the experience, and music is a massive component to that. So I've been lucky to kind of be involved in a lot of it. I just played an event on Sunday for the one of the San Francisco Giants pitchers who won three of the World Series with him, this guy Jeremy Affelt. And oh, yeah. he, he did an event right after uh, the baseball game on Sunday. And he had all the Giants players come over and bartend for charity at this venue, and they raised about one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That I mean, it was actually a really well-run event for youth in Spokane and the Bay Area, really trying to to give them opportunities in a, in a variety of different ways. But take that, and then there was a music component. They incorporate sport and music. I had Matt Kane play guitar with me. Another pitcher, George Contos. he sang a song, and just kind of you know let those worlds sort of intersect, and then. Last Friday, I played the uh, ring ceremony for the New England Patriots out in Boston. The two worlds between entertainment and sport or music and sport, they're the same thing. It's just entertainment. And they continue to get closer and closer and closer.
0: It's interesting. A lot of the conversations I've had with people over the last few podcasts get that. The future of golf, whether it's a broadcast product, a live product, whatever it is they're creating – it's entertainment first that happens to use golf as the engine to power that forward. So they're flipping that around, whereas before it's everybody considered it just the opposite, where it, w- it was golf first and an entertainment product second. So you know, talking to Keith Pelley, the CEO of the European Tour a few weeks back, he completely gets that and the experimentations that he's testing out right now with different formats and integrating music in live entertainment while the golf is going on. That intersection of music and entertainment and sport is only going to continue to uh, to get even tighter, and that's going to benefit you as uh, as we move forward here. So, looking forward to seeing all the things that you're going to be doing in the future, there, Kelly. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, and again on that on that level, I think that
1: golf, specifically, because the tournament starts so early in the morning and you get fans out there early in the morning, there's still a significant portion of their day that exists after you know the final putt drops. And the question is, how do you capture? those fans that are Still there at 4 30, 5 o'clock that want something to eat, that want something to go do, that want to go hear music or or whatever experience they want after that. How do you offer it and how do you capture those people? Because that's gonna be the real driver for the future. Is how do you make it a music festival? How do you do Coachella for golf? Phoenix Open obviously is the driver. They are at the forefront by leaps and bounds, you know, over any other tournament, specifically in golf, but any tournament can do it. Napa's doing it, you know, really well. You know, Safeway Open, they're they're close, they're doing it a different way than the Phoenix. Open is with different weapons, if you will, you know, food, wine, music, golf, but it's all there, and as we see things progressing in the next five to ten years, I believe that you will see the premise of each tournament almost turning into a, more of a festival, with golf being the focus, no different than, again, Bottle Rock in Napa, Bonnaroo, Coachella. Music is the focus, but there's so many other things to do and experience while you're there. I think that that's what golf's going to be. That's going to be exactly what the Safeway Open's trying to do, which is, golf is there, that's why you come, but you're going to stay because of the food, you're going to stay because of the wine and the music and the variety of other things that they're offering.
0: Well, you just answered my next question. I was I was going to ask you, so what do you think the future of golf holds with relationship to entertainment and, and music? So you uh, you gave me the answer and then I gave you the question. So we don't need to ask that one again.
1: On that level, I think that you know the future of golf in another facet, I think that it needs to be gamified a little bit more. I think that there is room for your traditional country club, very by the book. 18 hole round, I think that that will always be there. But I think if the game wants to grow, they're going to have to offer a variety of other ways to experience golf. There's this company called Golfstream. They're doing really cool things with the putting aspect of golf. They have this incredible green that was designed by engineers that used to work for Disney for their roller coasters. And the the green changes undulation in real time based on whatever settings there are for said game. They have a whole laser technology that will show you how to read putts. So I think that aspect, obviously what Top Golf has done is incredible. And there's just a bunch of different ways to get people into golf without going the very, very traditional route. Um, There's a developer. His name's Mike Melman. He owns Discoveryland. And the way they play golf is a completely different golf experience. It's a full-blown top 100 course. Let's say one of his courses, a, a Gaza ranch, I think is, let's say, in the 30s on the top 100 in America. You can go and you can play those courses in a t-shirt and board shorts Can have cocktails and drive wherever you want on the course and just have a fun day with your buddies blasting music and not really worrying about what some would consider more archaic etiquette that sort of bogs down golf. You can play golf that way. So I think that as golf progresses and hopefully grows, knock on wood, we are going to find people that are providing different ways to experience quote unquote golf, though you might not consider miniature golf golf or a version of mini golf golf. It's still golf. It's one component, no different than top golf is a driving range, but it's been completely gamified and made into this incredible experience. I think we need more of that. There are certain people that are doing it, but I think it needs to be done on a bigger, broader level with more dollars involved, with more brain power involved. And that to me is going to grow the game. That to me is going to make golf something that this next generation of kid wants to be involved with, especially as they are confronted with 10 to 20 to possibly 100 more times the amount of entertainment at their fingertips, literally at their fingertips with an iPhone that you know I ever had when I grew up. So a lot of challenges in that regard. But I think that as people put a little bit more thought and resources into it, they're going to be able to change the golf experience in a variety of different ways. And hopefully you get people that are playing top golf that eventually want to migrate into that traditional country club 18 hole experience where their goal is to go play pine valley augusta shinnecock Cypress someday and do it that way but at the same time they're able to enjoy the top golf experience or the golf stream experience etc
0: i think you you nailed it there with these other emerging golf formats being the gateway to golf i had the opportunity a couple weeks ago to have golf stream and the ceo darren Dummett on the show and we talked about very similar to the concept you just put forward there that we were talking that golf is not a switch in fact golf is a dial and by that we mean before it's either you play golf or you don't it's 18 holes with a handicap or it's not golf and just like you said now it could be mini putt with your kids it could be going to top golf and having some fun and having some beers and watching a game at the same time could be going to golf stream which we also had the pleasure a couple weeks ago in las vegas at the mgm grand to see their first installation there and experience that which was awesome that is the future, and that's where this is going. And I think the future is very bright, where a couple of years ago, even when you and I met just before that, golf was in a really tough spot. They really didn't know where to turn and how to, how to crack the nut of appealing to those 80 million millennials which like you said have a hundred different options of things that align more with their their lifestyles so it's the outliers those people on the fringe there and those entrepreneurs and what we talk about on the show here those disruptors that are creating these new formats and coming up with these new ideas that help move the game forward and still respect the traditions of the game but at the same time realign with a contemporary lifestyle to grow the game. So, hey, I know i only only having it for a couple more minutes here. One thing I want to do here, I've seen you live now, I think, four times, maybe five times. And the song that I love the best that you do here, Kelly, is you ask the audience for three words. And from that, you just do this awesome freestyle mashup, which to me just blows my brain of how you can pull this together. But you do. So, hey, you got your guitar there? Can I give you three words here and you can put something together?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You okay. gotta make them. You gotta, you gotta make them random though, because yeah. everyone's everyone's gonna think that we talked about this before, you know. Okay.
0: Well, you know what? I'm gonna be a bit self indulgent here, so I'm gonna use mod golf as one of them. <laughs> Trying to get a free free theme song. Is that what it is? Yeah. So <laughs> got, got a problem with that? <laughs> okay. The other one I'm gonna use is the words disruption. And you know what, and then since I have to do something completely random here, I'm going to choose, I'm going to look around the studio here, and I'm going to use, totally random, I'm going to use virtual reality. There you go. Virtual reality. All right. This is called ModGolf
1: Virtual Reality and Disruption at 11.15 in the morning. (laughs)
2: It's 11 15 in the morning. Too early, I'm a musician. I'm mourning. The fact that I had to get up, you see, because I usually don't go to bed till about 3 in the morning. But it's okay though, because I wanted to be on the my Golf Show podcast. You asked me to freestyle about it. Talking about disrupting my schedule, don't doubt it. You did, but it's alright for you. I'll get out of bed to do this any day. It's it. It's all about golf the love that I have. And honestly, If you ask me, you don't need to ask I'll be there any day if you want to play 18 Hanging out on the course is my dream But I got two kids and I can't do the time That it takes to go out And I'm not really fine at the game But it's alright though, it's insane I really can't get my big brain around 18 Handicap, I need to be a single digit But that is a dream to me at this time I need to disrupt my swing I need to break down some bad habits Why do I always come over the top? I don't know. In my head, I'm like, come on, dog, please swing it slow. I probably need to see me in some kind of version of virtual reality. That's how I learn. I'm a visual guy, so I need to take a couple lessons. Why don't I do it? I don't know. I probably don't have the time. That's another excuse. I probably need to go get my priorities intact. Yeah, I'm strumming this guitar, talking about things like disruption. You know my golf got the vibe. You see podcasting will do it, and I know I'll be cool after this, but I want to go to sleep, and honestly, I should probably go and maybe be at the driving range for an hour today, I don't know, but I'm like, ah, it's so far away, so I'll probably stay home and watch a PGA on TV or something, I don't really care where I stay, just want to be around golf every day so I can get that vibe, because you know I love to play. Coughing like that because I didn't warm up the vocals. Yeah, you know about that. Said it was early. Didn't do no warm up. Rolled out of bed. And you know this is kind of tough when you haven't thought about anything all day. And then somebody's like, excuse me, can you play? Sing about my podcast. I'm like, okay, this is going to be terrible. But whatever. We'll stay vibing. And you know I'm keep riding this freestyle action. And you know I'm not hiding the honesty behind these vibes. There's a freestyle flow. You know what I'm talking about. Now here we go. Disrupt your life play golf whenever you can if your wife says you're not you say I will and I'll do everything you need and you know you just gotta go get 18 in and that's all it does so begin and if you can't get to the course well try it again and if they don't let you leave the house well you can see if you could invest in a pair of virtual reality goggles so you can go and toggle your life between home life and then on the links I will tell you to go and get your mind right you can hit the shot if you see the mind right and you know what I'm saying Because it's all about golf, and that's what we're talking about. And this is all I got on this freestyle flow for you all. Shout out to everybody at my
0: golf. (laughs) That is awesome. Well, it sounds like (laughs) it. (laughs) thank you it's too
1: too, too early for this it's
0: it's all good man and you know what that was amazing well i'll tell you what let's wrap this up here then you can go uh you can go have a nap how's that sound Uh,
1: i think i think my head is gonna rest on this desk in front of me right now
0: good stuff hey before you before you leave me here kelly for our listeners tell them all where they can find you on social media where they can hear your music if you've got any shows coming up that are public in the next little while that maybe it's in their hometown tell us a couple things give yourself a plug here
1: yeah, you can check my music out at kellyjames.com. And I'm on Spotify and all that other good stuff. And Instagram's kellyjamesmusic. For me, it's it's going to be a cool rest of the year because I got some new music coming out. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. And stuff. hopefully check it out.
0: Certainly will. And in the show notes for the podcast, I will include all those links, of course, as I will in your bio. So there you have it. So let's wrap it up. So Kelly, James. Buddy, thanks, thanks so much for doing this today. Thanks for being my guest on the Mod Golf Podcast. I really appreciate it very much. Absolutely, thank you for having me. All right, my pleasure. All right, I'll let you go. And uh, hey, look forward to seeing you soon. All right, you take care. Bye for now.
2: That's my girl. Oh, that's my girl. Mm. That's my girl. Oh, that's my girl.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kelly James We open the show with one of Kelly's songs called California And we'll close it out with That's My Girl Kelly's music is available on iTunes and Spotify And go to kellyjames.com to learn more about him and his music I've also included links to Kelly's video and audio content In the episode show notes on our website modgolf.fireside.fm Please join me next week when I speak with Golf Board President Jeff Dowell pardon the bad English here, but it's funner and faster to play golf on a golf board. And those two things are extremely important to today's golfer where time compression continues to demand more and more of us within our waking hours here in Bend, Oregon. We typically have a group of golf boarders who will go out in the early morning and the late evening and four of them will play 18 holes of golf in two and a half to three hours on golf boards. And that's very, very different than the five to six hour weekend warrior routine that less and less of us have time to do. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Mod Golf Podcast. Subscribe to the Mod Golf Podcast on iTunes, and while you're there, please rate and comment on the show. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Mod Golf Podcast. I'll see you next week.